0: The following program is brought to you by TasteBud Entertainment. Food, glorious food. We're anxious to try Welcome to an hour of delicious conversation with Chef Jamie Gwynn. Dish with celebrity chefs, cookbook authors, and food experts, and gain inspirational ideas. You'll learn kitchen wisdom, wine education, and culinary trends, and eat and drink like you've never done before. Food and wine with Chef Jamie Gwen starts now.
1: Well, a very happy Easter to you, food lovers, here in Southern California. Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana, in your radio. You've tuned in to KFWB News Talk 980. And we have all sorts of mouth-watering tricks in our repertoire to stir up your imagination and appetite this morning. We believe that food excites the senses, the sight, the smell, the touch, and of course the taste, most importantly. And so this morning we're enticing your senses with delicious conversation. This is your cooking community and we are all about the ingredients that make a meal. We hope you'll check out chefjamie.com for delicious inspiration as we're always serving up and stay tuned all this hour as it's a really easy way to get your quick fix of culinary entertainment. We have lots of ideas and recipes and tips that are easy to make and hard not to love. And on this Easter Sunday, when the Easter bunny arrives today, it is not too late to throw together a simple brunch or even an effortless dinner to celebrate. So we thought we'd kick off this hour with our best tips if you need a little bit of planning help. Uh, Lana, I know that there's a ham steak on your last minute mm-hmm. Easter menu somewhere because it's a really great go-to, a quick cook, but one that satisfies, right?
2: Well. The ham slices are so easy to prepare yes. and to buy as yeah, it's well. It's slice view. Put a plum glaze on it, start with some plum preserves, and add some ginger, lemon uh, zest, some red pepper flakes.
1: You think. can do it with any jam, by mm-hmm. the way. Yeah, yes. and just finish it in the mm-hmm. pan. I wanted to mention too, that if you have a, a crock pot, a slow cooker, mm. and you're having more than just a couple of friends, maybe a crowd might show up, um, or the family happened to you know, decide last minute to come to your house, um, it's really an extraordinary method for preparing an Easter ham. And I'll tell you why, because all of the moisture gets Captured on a low heat setting in your crock pot, and you can make a really sumptuous dinner ahead of time. And there's no last minute, you know, flurry of activity. You literally take the ham out of the crock pot and you put the rest of the dishes all around it. But you can glaze a ham in the crock pot with that same jam or marmalade that you were talking about, too. It could be um, spicy or sweet. Um, I think it's a really simple and wonderful way to put together a last minute tender glazed ham. Mm -hmm. So the crock pot, a great tool. Um, Also, I was thinking for a side dish. I love Southern greens and you can actually slow cook greens in your slow cooker. If you need a last minute side dish or you're wondering if maybe your buffet today doesn't have enough of of the bounty, Mm -hmm. then, you know, a quick, uh, throw together in your crock pot, southern greens, whether it's charred or mustard greens, or even the black kale that we love, can be slow cooked down with garlic and onions, mm. dried cranberries, splash of vinegar.
2: I do like, though, to saute my onions first and add some bacon and whatever else you're putting in there and then put it in the crock pot. Yeah, bacon does make everything better.
1: If you are a lamb lover, I like the saute idea, by the way. And I mentioned that a couple of weeks ago, because no matter what you put in your crock pot, yes, you need a pre-cook very often. And I like to pre-sear. If you're cooking a piece of beef, uh, you know, maybe you're making a pot roast, let's say, uh, or, you know, you're favorite uh, slow braised uh, brisket or even pork, I do like to sear the meat first because I think that caramelized flavor then continues and sort of seeps into and melds throughout the dish Mm -hmm. itself. So if you're a lamb lover, it's not too late. Um, A leg of lamb would take quite a bit of time. The rotisserie comes in handy here. But if you ask the butcher to butterfly your leg of lamb, it cooks perfectly in very little time. And butterflying just literally making a long slit down the leg of lamb where you can remove the bone and it becomes a flat surface, uh, larger surface area, less thickness, of course, boneless now, and a a really quick cook. And it's absolutely extraordinary on the barbecue. So if you're out there grilling, throw on a leg of lamb that's been completely butterflied, even last minute marinated, or rubbed with olive oil, garlic, fresh rosemary, splashed with vermouth or perno, Mm -hmm. and you can get a lot of flavor in a little bit of time. Mm, And have a lot of people over. Yeah, you could. You can
2: invite all your neighbors.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of, I think it's a delicious and very easy Easter dinner.
2: And I think one of the uh, great last minute things to make is a quiche.
1: Yes, I Um, agree.
2: uh, Do you love buttery, flaky, crescent rolls.
1: I never met anybody that didn't love buttery, (laughs) flaky crescent rolls. And they have so many uses.
2: Uh, Don't they? But especially for the crust of a quiche.
1: I remember a quiche growing up. That's what Mm -hmm. you used to make. Yes.
2: Forget the crustless quiche. You have to go to the buttery (laughs) crescent rolls. And it's so easy with just piling in some uh, two cups of Jack or Swiss or cheddar, Mm -hmm. whatever your choice of cheese. I know you love Gruyere.
1: I do, and I like a mix of cheeses when it comes to mac and cheese and quiche. Those are the two... Dishes that I would say definitely need a a melding of flavors and textures when it comes to the dairy. So, multiple cheeses, use up what's in your cheese drawer. You know, throw in that knob of Parmesan that's, you know, needing to be grated or the last few bites of whatever it is, the wedge that you put out when friends came over last and use up the cheeses. A quiche is a perfect
2: application for that. Oh, it's just a perfect thing to put out with a salad on the side and you have a quick Easter dinner.
1: You do. And you can clean out your produce bin too. And then you've got leftover for the week coming up, by the way, later in the hour. Don't touch your dial because before the end of this show, we're going to give you every use possible for your Easter leftovers. Like what do you do with the leftover spiral ham? And uh, is there a way to use
2: up the Easter chocolate bunnies? Oh, yes, there is. You'll have to stay tuned. How about making a bread pudding and putting vegetables in it? Oh, asparagus. savory bread pudding. That's yes. nice. So uh, farmer's market pudding.
1: inspired. I like that. Mm-hmm. Something savory um, with, again, you know, leftover bread, or maybe you bought a brioche loaf, or maybe you have, uh, you know, a good Assorted egg bread, breads. or yeah, combination of sourdough mm-hmm. and French. And uh, maybe there was a rosemary or a thyme bread, you know, something herbaceous. That's always beautiful for a savory bread pudding so that you add extra depth of flavor.
2: Now, if I was using uh, broccoli florets. Would you uh, par-cook them a little
1: bit? I would. I would blanch them in boiling water, take them out, shock them in ice water, and then lay them out on paper towels and drain it. Drain the vegetables very well because they tend to capture water um, in the crevices and you don't want that bread pudding to be soggy. So let the vegetables... Uh, sort of air out on the counter before you mix them into your bread pudding mixture. Although Mm. that can be something that you prepared in advance went into the casserole and then comes out of the refrigerator, preferably to close to room temperature, goes in the oven and bakes um, and puffs last minute um, before you put out the buffet. And then, of course, don't forget that if you're still searching for an Easter dessert, lemon curd Anything applies today. If you have a mason jar of homemade or store-bought lemon curd in the fridge, you have a super simple easiest of easy desserts for this Easter holiday and whether you just layer it like a parfait with whipped cream and berries in a small cocktail glass or you spoon it into big beautiful wine goblets and you top it with Mm. crushed amaretti Mm. cookies or you've lightened it up with that same whipped cream and made a mousse you spread it between a layer of cake Uh, you pipe it into a a cupcake using a pastry tip and a piping bag lemon curd is my go-to Easter dessert dessert, and it will certainly come in handy, especially late tonight when you get hungry again because, you know, the uh, Easter lunch yeah, <laughs> was a little bit early, and then you go and dip the shortbread cookie in the mason jar of lemon curd as you stand in front of the refrigerator because when you're standing up eating out of the fridge, there are no calories. They all fly away. Oh, of course. They don't apply to sitting down. Of course. Uh, speaking of other holidays, and we'll come back to Easter come the end of this hour and talk up leftovers as well. And by the way, you can always weigh in. We'd love to hear your thoughts or what's on your menu you today you can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Chef Jamie Gwen would love to become a new friend Uh, when it comes to this coming week of celebrations, Earth Day is Tuesday. So uh, I think it's most important to mention that over a billion people in 190 countries will take action for Earth Day. From San Francisco to San Juan, Beijing to Brussels, Moscow to Marrakesh, people are really focusing on their communities and all behalf on of all the all on behalf of, rather, the environment. And we're very conscious of our environment and try to be good to our community to give back. Um, If you compost, then you do your part. If you buy from local farmers, um, then we certainly know that you are giving back to your community. Um, But it's really the story behind your food, I think, that brings Earth Day Sort of present to all of us. Yes,
2: it, it certainly does, and I think we need to reaffirm our commitment to pres- to preserve the planet. Yes, and I we agree. could do that through produce and fish that is cook that we cook seasonally, that we buy organic, that we purchase sustainable products, um, and uh, cooking roasted uh, or roasting wild salmon. Um, asparagus and rhubarb in season right now. Mm -hmm. All all very local, seasonal
1: uh, ingredients certainly do allow you to get closer to your food. So my idea for Tuesday night is an earth dinner because every other holiday has a food tradition, except for Earth Day. So why not have a celebration? An earth dinner is one that should revolve around local, sustainable, organic cuisine. How do you do an earth dinner? Well, you use as many local ingredients as possible. You know the story behind your food. You have meaningful conversation at the table about farming and your connection to earth. You give back. There's actually great inspiration online at earthdinner.org. earthdinner.org.
2: Oh, I think it's a day to eat lots of salads.
1: Yes, that it is. And that brings us to that produce conversation and understanding organics. So our Think Like a Chef feature this week is all about clean eating, but it's the growth of organic produce and chicken and meat that I think can be very complicated to great cooks alike when it comes to understanding the labels. I mean, these days we see the word organic on everything from your bananas to your milk to the chocolate that you buy. It's a growing trend, but there is still confusion about the terms. And so I think it's very important to understand what it is you're reading on a label or what the sign at the fishmonger really means so that you can understand organics and how the USDA has determined these particular terms. And again, on our Think Like a Chef feature, hoping to make you a really great cook in your own kitchen, we're hoping to inspire you and arm you with knowledge. So check out chefjamie.com so you can learn more. The food label that means organic is actually specified by organic and it is no fertilizer, um, no ionizing radiation, uh, you know, no genetic engineering. That is, by the way, first and foremost, the most important organic label and the most uh, extreme when it comes to looking for the cleanest food. Then, of course, 100% organic takes you then to organic, made with organic ingredients. What about natural it's it's not everything you might think that it, it says, right? Because natural means that they can't add artificial ingredients or colors but the food might still be minimally processed. So we've posted all the labels um, when it comes to these organic ingredients so you can better get to know them.
2: And also 95% organic indicates that a small portion of the product is non-organic ingredients.
1: Right. So you really need to understand the label and that mm-hmm. really proves what's the other 5% made of. It makes you think, right? Mm-hmm. So you can understand organics better at chefjamie.com. Check it out. And then of course, there are four things you won't want to miss on the website this week the cook with lana recipe charred vegetables with orange blossom honey and pecorino that's nice lana i love mm-hmm. the idea of the honey um, and the cheese you know the the pungent beautiful salty tang of pecorino
2: uh, and the honey really enhances the flavor of vegetables as yeah, well so fire up your grill right now
1: and then i thought a last minute easter appetizer could be simply prepared using smoked salmon so i made a smoked salmon tartare which i think is just one of the the most flavorful and bold, fabulous dishes that will wow your friends. If you have a package of smoked salmon or lox and then lemon and capers and fresh thyme, you can throw it together along with potato chips or crostini or crackers. It's perfect. You'll also find a Hawaiian martini and a chocolate caramel cupcake with brown butter frosting on the website. So check it out at chefjamie.com and stay tuned because there's more fabulous food and delicious conversation in your radio. Coming up, she is Michelle Sicilione and she's sharing the Italian vegetable cookbook. Oh, the virtues of the beauty of Italian cooking. Plus, he makes building projects easy. Spike Carlson is sharing a flower pot smoker. So cool. You can do it yourself. Just you wait. And Carla Hall is back. She's the chew host and our newfound friend. And she's sharing her Easter family menu right before the end of the hour. Stay tuned. There's more fabulous food and delicious conversation right
3: after this. Don't go away. we're dedicated to
1: great taste bringing you a wide world of fabulous food chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana in your radio lana what did you just say about this book i want to make every recipe in I this know, book i know me too so inspired michelle chicolone is a widely sought after expert on italian food today and she's the best-selling author james beard nominated author as well of several books including the soprano family cookbook a thousand italian recipes many of our favorites Um, but we're really delighted that she is out with her latest it's called the italian vegetable cookbook and it's a stunning collection of vegetable focused italian recipes it's from her joyful culmination of a lifetime spent cooking and eating Italian food. And what I love is that it's so much the essence of Italy. Bright, beautiful tomatoes and briny olives and fabulous flavors that make vegetarian and nearly vegetarian recipes. Of course, Michelle's rustic uh, and refined recipes, so easy to make at home. I love the simplicity of the beauty of your recipes, Michelle, and we're delighted to have you on the radio. Welcome.
3: I'm delighted to be with you today. It's How a nice. pleasure. Thank you. I'm glad you enjoy the simplicity of the recipes because I think that's one of the hallmarks of good Italian cooking. theres not There aren't any extra ingredients. Everything is very simple. You want to taste the flavors of yes. the good ingredients that you use.
1: And I think spring inspires so many of your dishes in the book um, because the Italian vegetable cookbook has antipasti and soups and mains and pasta and dessert. But when I think of Italian, I always think of a glass of wine and sitting down with friends and starting with antipasti. And I love that I couldn't get one recipe in to the book without rabbit uh uh marking the rabbit ear marking the page oh, uh, green oh, olives with spicy breadcrumbs yeah first mm. on my list <laughs>
3: that's a delicious recipe and very very simple to do and you know a nice way to dress up olives and make a slightly more exciting appetizer out of them.
1: I like the idea of the texture of the breadcrumbs adding to the chewiness of the olive. And I've talked about warming olives along with almonds, like as a starter uh, for a very long time with a cocktail. But of course, breadcrumbs to me in the Italian culture means you added some red pepper flake and now you have heat and flavor and texture all together.
3: Yes, yes, exactly. That's just what it's all about. And uh, it's a delightful way to start a meal. Mm. fabulous.
2: And I am a great lover of leeks and you have a barley and leek soup. What a nice yeah. combo. Isn't that lovely? Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's a, a recipe from Sicily and uh, it, uh I don't think that uh, you see barley all that often in Italy, but uh it certainly appears uh from time to time mm. and um it it makes a delicious and very simple soup that um is nice. You know, it's still we still uh, have some chilly weather yes. where I am, and uh, even though spring is here, uh, I think it's something you'll appreciate on a cold night.
1: And I don't care whether it's cold or hot. I have to tell you, your soups with the poached egg on top takes the frise salad and the French inspiration to a whole new level. That is a meal in a bowl, Michelle. And I loved reading through the bread soup. Um, And you speak about, uh, in one of the recipes as well, um, the beauty of a water-based soup. And we'd love if you'd give us a little bit of background.
3: Yeah, I think most people think soup, oh, no, I've got to start making broth now, and, or I have to use a canned broth, and you may or may not like them. A lot of them aren't very good, and they're not good for us either. So the interesting thing about Italian cooking is that, again, keeping it as simple as possible and wanting to taste the ingredients, the primary ingredients, they don't use a broth as a backdrop. In many of the soups in the book, you can just use water. And uh, I always say that's the secret ingredient in Italian cooking is (laughs) water. They use it very frequently, especially in southern Italy.
1: I can't wait to make the aguacotta. I mean, you have dinner in 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. You have this water-based but rich, hearty tomato broth soup that came from very little preparation. I understand from reading through your book and all the wonderful stories and introductions that your 100% Sicilian husband likes anything that comes from (laughs) Sicily. And I thought it was interesting to read that mint is the most widely used herb And I think uh, uh, many might not know that. I would not have guessed that. In all of Italy and specifically in Rome, that minted eggplant is one of his favorites, right? Oh,
3: yes. That's a great dish and really a little bit different to something um, interesting to do with eggplant. First, the eggplant is fried and then it's cooked. Then you make a little tomato sauce with onion and mint and garlic And it's sweet and sour. It's got vinegar and sugar in it. Agrodolce. Exactly. That's that's, my favorite. It's a hallmark of Sicilian cooking. You see that happen quite a lot.
1: I could sit down to eggplant with mint for dinner very Mm -hmm. happily, like on a meatless Monday. That would be a a beautiful main course to me, Uh, maybe alongside fettuccine with lemon cream. Lana, did you see this recipe? This is so simple in southern Italy as you speak about the lemon juice, the zest, the cream, the butter, the basil, and Parmesan. What a combination. Mm.
3: Oh, it's heavenly. It's just so smooth and rich. It's just fabulous dish. You can have it as a whole meal, or you can have it as a first course before something on the light side, I would think, like, I don't know, some grilled fish or something might be nice.
2: Mm, sounds and good to me. your spicy cauliflower ragu...
1: Lots of cauliflower, in fact, Michelle, in the book. That looks marvelous.
3: You know, Italians uh, eat a lot more cauliflower than they do broccoli. In fact, I can't even remember seeing broccoli that's quite the same variety as we have in this country. Mm. So uh, you'll find a lot of cauliflower recipes in southern Italy, and I think it's a vegetable that's been underappreciated and maligned for far too long. And uh, I'm happy to introduce people to some really tasty ways to to use it. It's great in soup. You can use it in pasta. It just has so many different possibilities
1: i love the idea that we are elevating in this country to cauliflower steaks and cauliflower couscous and now we have your italian inspiration lana i know you can't wait to make the clementine upside down cake Mm. from the italian vegetable cookbook i am this summer making peach tomato and burrata salad what a beautiful combination and olive oil gelato for dessert michelle Oh,
3: that sounds like a lovely meal. <laughs> um, and that peach uh, salad was something that I had visiting a olive oil producer, and he wanted us to taste his oil, but the tomatoes weren't ripe. So he drizzled it on some peaches, and I'm mm. kind of skeptical. It was sensational. What a great flavor.
1: What a fabulous combination. Uh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Spring-inspired, taking us back to the garden You can no doubt learn so much from the Italian Cooking Authority, who is Michelle Chiccoloni, and her new book is called The Italian Vegetable Cookbook. We've excerpted a recipe at chefjamie.com with a direct link to the book itself. And we're delighted to have you, Michelle. Thank you for inspiring us to delicious dishes.
3: My pleasure being with you today. Thank Thank you. you. There's
1: more fabulous food in your radio right after this. Be right back. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana in your radio. If you are a backyard living enthusiast, if you're looking for practical, useful, and cost effective ways to spruce up your yard and your garden, then this conversation is for you. We're all about living the best life, and I'm delighted about this next featured conversation. Spike Carlson says that you can build anything, plant anything, make anything. For a backyard garden and he's teaching us how he is the author of the backyard homestead the new book release the book of building projects his fourth in the series in fact and he's sharing useful things that you can build to create customized workspaces equip your garden store your harvest even house your animals he is Spike Carlson, and he joins us live. I'm so excited to have you. Welcome, Spike.
0: Thank you so much. Nice to yes, be here. Yes, of
1: course. Okay, so you talk about becoming self-sufficient, whether it means growing herbs in a pot in the kitchen window or maybe a little bit more extreme, collecting eggs from your own chickens. But I love this third installment of the series. I've loved reading through it because I find it very aspirational. You believe that building projects can be done by just about anyone.
0: Yeah, the idea behind this book is everyone has a backyard homestead outside their back door, and it doesn't matter if you have a lot of land or tools or time or skills. There's just tons and tons of projects people can do to become more self-sufficient. So this book has projects on gardening and storage spaces and creating relaxing spaces for when you're done for the day. We really focus on people that have small lots and maybe don't have a lot of experience, but we have huge payoffs on a lot of these projects.
1: And you know, of course, Spike, from a foodie perspective, I chose all the projects that had something delicious associated with them.
0: Absolutely.
1: (laughs) So I'd love to kick off. This is absolutely fabulous and I think quite brilliant. You say that you don't need piles of wood and expensive equipment to smoke our own meat. And with the use of a terracotta flower pot, you can teach us how to make a backyard smoker.
0: Yeah, this is kind of one of the fun projects in the book. You cannot do a side of beef on it, but you can do a nice little brisket or a <laughs> chicken go. or some fish. It's made from a flower pot and the uh, drainage tray underneath it. You also need an electric hot plate. And you need some of the smoking chips you might use in a barbecue grill. And it might take you an hour or two to round up the equipment and an hour or two to kind of put this together. But once you have it, you have your own little mini smoker. And it's just fun. You you, you get to build something yourself. When people come over, you get the bragging rights. And then you get to eat a delicious meal.
1: Exactly. I love that concept. As far as the wood chips are concerned, there are so many different choices today. I happen to love apple wood and pecan wood. You could use hickory. You want to soak the chips well. And then you use a pie plate, like an aluminum pie pan, that sits right on top of the hot plate itself, and it creates heat, which forces the wood chips to smoke. Is it a hot enough smoker to fully cook?
0: Yes. I test drove almost all of the projects in this book, and so part of test driving... This was actually cooking and eating the food. You want to keep the temperature in there around, you know, 210, 220 degrees. It's going to take longer than it would if you cooked it some other way. But it's just a fun way of doing things, and it's really a nice, simple project to start with.
3: Yeah, I
1: love the idea. I'm running out this afternoon to uh, buy a big terracotta flower pot. (laughs) I'm very excited, and I'm going to patiently watch my chicken smoke away. Um, Do it. If you would talk to us since spring is here about what we can plant in our gardens as far as. Um, vegetables and herbs as well. And I love the idea of planting an herb garden outside. And your tips and tricks seem very appropriate to even a novice gardener.
0: Yeah, we actually have projects in here that even if you live in an apartment or a condo and don't even have a backyard, you can do. And so one of them is just a a little spice planter that'll hold three or four pots and Mm -hmm. you can grow your spices right there. You know, things are variable all over the country. But one thing that doesn't vary is is people love gardening, and a lot of people just have trouble kind of wading into that whole world. And so one of the projects we really love in the book is the raised bed gardens. Yes. And we have five different types of raised bed gardens in there. I like those, too. Yeah, the baby bear, the mama bear, the papa bear. We have them of of various uh, difficulties and sizes, and it's just a great way of of, uh, getting going.
1: Any suggestions as far as growing an herb garden from small to large? Is it best to start small? I mean, I happen to love the herbs that grow inside on a windowsill because they add an aromatic to the kitchen. And I think that they keep you mindful from a cook's perspective to use the fresh ingredients. And then, of course, I go out to my patio garden, and the mint is rampant, and I love the (laughs) fresh thyme that grows. And I'll try to, you know, during the spring and summer season, plant more basil so I always have pesto in the refrigerator. But any specific herb tips you might be able to share?
0: Well, you know, again, it's so variable on different parts of the country. The first book in this series is called The Backyard Homestead. And that really focuses on the specifics of what to plant and and how to raise it and that type of thing. And this book really focuses on, you know, the actual projects, Mm -hmm. the building projects that will help you get to that point.
1: I love, by the way, at SpikeCarlson.com, because by the way, if you've just tuned in, you're late. We're building. Yes, we are. For the foodie, uh, for those that love to live outside and enjoy their backyard. And I don't know who doesn't, whether you're in your Uggs at the barbecue in the snow or you enjoy uh, Southern California paradise like uh, like we do. There is a building project for every fabulous food lover and more, of course, in the new book called The Backyard Homestead Book of Building Projects by Spike Carlson. And on your website, Spike, and I know it's Spike and then C-A-R-L-S-E-N, for those that want to know uh, and want to be in the know. There's a fabulous project from a previous book of yours as well where you make a holiday gift for a wine lover. That is super cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can just give people a bottle of wine, but there's a little project in there. It's kind of a football-shaped platter that you can hook over the top of the wine bottle, and there's a couple little slots where you can hang a wine glass from each side. It's brilliant. Yeah, and rather than just giving someone a bottle of wine, you can give them a bottle of wine with a couple of glasses and a little rack to store it all. So that's, it's uh, it's very similar to the projects in the Backyard Homestead Book of Building Projects. We guide you through step-by-step, good illustrations, good photography.
1: Yeah, and I truly believe that I, too, could make that.
0: Yes. You don't need a lot of fancy tools. You don't need a lot of fancy skills. You just need to take the time Proceed carefully.
1: And you need the heart to do it, which is something I know from watching you, you definitely have. Leave us with this, because with all that we're planting and building and cooking and growing, I believe in giving back. I believe in uh, trying to make the world a better place one dish at a time. But that definitely means turning trash into treasure, as you say, because a compost bin for any great cook is truly essential. And you make a compost bin in this new book that you say definitely adds to the soil when we're, let's say, growing our herbs or our vegetables during the warmer months this year. So what can you tell us about composting?
0: There's actually three different compost projects in here. They range from a simple single bin up to one that's a triple bin for the very serious ones. As you and your listeners know, there's things you can and can't compost, and the book includes a list of Yays, nays, and maybes. <laughs> you know, you want to be a good neighbor with any backyard project you do. We, we're very conscious of that throughout the book. So there's even information on what you should put in there and and uh, how to layer it in there.
1: Yeah, it's really great information. There are 76 projects for the garden, the house, your yard harvesting, food prep storage, workspaces, even animal shelters and feeders in Spike Carlson's newest book release called The Backyard Homestead Book of Building Projects. I know Spike that you have been building and designing and writing about home improvement projects for over 35 years and we thank you for the know-how, for the knowledge and really for the education. I'm very excited to attempt a project and please know I will give you most of the credit. (laughs)
0: It's been my pleasure, (laughs) and good luck in all your projects and all of your listeners' projects. Thank
1: you. We've placed a direct link so that you can read more about Spike's new book of building projects at chefjamie.com, and be sure to check out spikecarlson.com, S-P-I-K-E-C-A-R-L-S-E-N.com. Learning something new and delicious every Sunday right here in your radio. Don't touch your dial. We'll be right back. We're traveling the globe with Carla Hall, of course, the co-host of ABC's popular lifestyle series, The Chew. You know her and love her from Top Chef, and she's back dishing with her newest cookbook, Carla's Comfort Foods, and on the upcoming celebrations and holidays, we love to feast on. Carla Easter, what is your plan?
4: My plan is to spend it with my mom, so I figure, you know, this is a book tour. We're celebrating food, so why not actually celebrate with my family? and i plan on making a roasted leg of lamb with fennel mm. and that's in my new cookbook and it would not be easter if i didn't do it with the mushy minty peas because i love 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 peas and i love mint so that and i love mint with lamb so i'm going to do that and then i want to do spiced roasted cauliflower so i really want to bring in a lot of these flavors and vegetables for easter and instead of roasting the lamb like Mm -hmm. I have in my book, I think I want to butterfly it and do it on the grill. See, that's
1: my favorite. When you impart Mm -hmm. that smoke Uh and flavor that comes from the grill, especially in a gamey meat like lamb, you get that extraordinary depth. And then all the herbs and and the richness of the olive oil seem to come through so much brighter. It's not that they're masked by the smoke. It's like it all comes together even better. Exactly. And it
4: becomes one of your ingredients, like a spice. So you're choosing smoke as one of your um, flavor components. Yes.
1: I love that. Can you teach us to make the spiced cauliflower?
4: Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So for the spiced cauliflower, I have my book right here and I'm turning to it because... I need to turn to it.
1: Yes, because when you have a repertoire of recipes, we understand that. This one has
4: the little icon Indians. In my book, all the recipes have a little icon to tell you where I've pulled the inspiration from and the flavors. And so this one has garam masala and Mm. cumin Mm. and coriander. So what you're going to do is you're going to combine all of these flavors, all these spices, and with cayenne pepper. And then you're going to toast your spices over medium heat. And then um, then you're gonna make a butter. so you you toast the spices, and then you take it off the heat, and you add the butter and some oil and a teaspoon of salt. And then you're gonna toss these little florets and if you wanted to do this in steak form you could which is great yeah, all the um, rage
1: all the mm-hmm. rage right a steak of cauliflower that's all vegetarian in style perfect for exactly. you exactly
4: and you feel something that's substantial in the center of the plate right you cut the cauliflower delicious.
1: vertically mm-hmm. so that you get a steak slice
2: like uh-huh. an inch thick a big ring of cauliflower. a big ring right perfect mm-hmm.
4: they're all held together by the bottom of the cauliflower mm-hmm.
2: yes And
4: so you spread this out uh, in a single layer on a sheet pan, and Mm -hmm. then you bake it for about 15 minutes or so, Mm -hmm. and it's a really hot oven at 425 degrees, Mm -hmm. and all of those flavors with the butter and the oil, they just come together, and it's so special, yet so simple, Mm -hmm. because you don't have to be in the kitchen all day, and I know Easter is special, but, you know, you don't want to be in the kitchen all day. Mm
2: -hmm. And what will you be doing for dessert (gasps) for <gasps> Ooh, can I
1: vote? I have <laughs> to have the bacon apple pie.
2: Oh, there we go. And I was I thinking wait,
1: I was thinking you would make lemon citrus tea cookies because that's Ooh, so spring. Oh are you a lemon girl? Oh, I are am a so a tart lemon girl. Bring it on. Pickled or tart? Oh I will finish the bowl.
4: Those are the perfect little after dinner bite. The tea leaf, I think, is underutilized. It is an herb, it is edible. Mm -hmm. So, what I am doing is taking an herbal tea, a lemon tea, Mm -hmm. and using it as a spice to grind up into the flour and making an actual tea cookie.
1: I love that idea. You know, we're seeing a lot of trend and craze in this tea in food, and you Uh are no doubt paving the way for recipes with Mm -hmm. new and fabulous ingredients.
2: But instead of steeping it, you are grinding it into the flour. She uses the actual leaves. Oh, I
1: love that. Yeah, it takes it to a whole new level. You know,
2: someone referenced
1: your book online, Carla, as a hug from you. Where and that's really what it is. It feels that way. Yes. It It is where incredible flavor takes on creamy soups and noodles and fragrance stews and dumplings and mouth-watering pastries and pies and tarts, and it is a delicious journey with Carla Hall. Grab this cookbook. I really believe it will make you a better cook. It's called Carla's Comfort Foods, and you heard Carla Hall here. We will see you on TV. We can't wait to see you again in person, and thank you again for sharing your passion, Carla. Thank you, Jamie and Lana. Always a pleasure. Okay, just for the record, hashtag love Carla Hall. She's <laughs> fabulous, right? And that brings us to the end of another hour of delicious conversation. We hope that we inspired you and that you gained culinary intelligence. We'll leave you with our last bite. But first, I want to remind you and mention that a Smart and Final store here in Southern California has extraordinary Easter savings celebrations. So don't miss the Farmer John Spiral Sliced Ham at $1.69 per pound now through Tuesday day, even for leftovers. If you go to someone else's house, but then you're craving ham, buy your own, roast it, glaze it, and have ham sandwiches galore all week long to bring the memories of Easter back every day. And you'll find an incredible value on sweet strawberries at Smart and Final, four pound packages at $4.99. Plus get $5 off when you purchase uh, $30 or more of participating gift cards at any Smart and Final store. Look for their national brand substitutes. It's the brands that Smart and Final created so that you could get better value when you shop and they guarantee them. They'll give you your money back if you're not satisfied. But really exceptional olive oil from La Romanella, first quality meats, all the beautiful cheeses, everything you need for alcohol, of course, as well, like wine and beautiful beer selections as well at your local Smart and Final store. Check it out, smartandfinal.com. And don't forget that great value on Farmer John spiral sliced ham. When it comes to your leftovers for the Easter holiday, do you hear that barking puppy in the studio? We thought we'd celebrate for Easter and uh, bring Georgie in, but uh, unfortunately he's making a ruckus there. Uh, When it comes to leftovers for your Easter meal, Lana and I had a little bit of last minute inspiration. Uh, All the Uh, hard-boiled eggs, Lana, uh, that are uh, in purple and various gorgeous pinks for Easter. Um, I thought you had a great idea for that really spices things up,
2: if I may mention myself. I am going to do a sriracha deviled egg.
1: Love that. And then I was thinking if you made deviled eggs, then those become the ultimate egg salad for the week. So everything that you could do with uh, a a hard-boiled egg for whatever is left from your Easter feast. Also, all that that leftover ham first of all the bone itself from either a spiral or a roasted ham makes the ultimate split pea soup. So please don't throw it away. Make the best use of it for salty, wonderful tang and make pea soup that you could even freeze in individual portions for um, the days and
2: weeks to come. Mm, I love that. Don't forget your uh, grilled cheese with ham.
1: Oh, yes. Or make it a Cuban where you do the ham, the Swiss cheese, pickles and mustard, and then you throw it into the potato panini maker, and you have a, a Cuban leftover ham and Swiss sandwich, which sounds really good to me too.
2: And take that leftover uh, lamb and uh, slice it thin and put it into a pita with some tzatziki mm. and cucumbers. Oh, and,
1: and yeah, mm. marinated um onions like you know good red wine vinegar and a little bit of uh, mm-hmm. of pickled onions that way um as our last bite though um the last mention on this show when it comes to delicious conversation inspiration and being a better cook in your own kitchen um will you please share um the beauty of butter perfect <gasps> oh. for the easter table today well and it- the story that goes along with it too
2: It's certainly a wonderful thing to make your own butter. It's very, very special. And I also love the buttermilk that it gives you.
1: Right. So it's not too late to make your own butter for Easter. All you need is a couple cups to a quart of heavy whipping cream. Maybe you were baking and you have cream left in the fridge. Mm-hmm. And depending upon what um, appliance you choose to use, you can really make it a few different ways, right?
2: Yes. Uh, you could. If you put it in, uh, you, uh, you could put it in the blender, I guess, uh, the Cuisinart Uh, But if you put it in your mixer, you must put a towel around the top.
1: Yeah, because it tends to go everywhere. I'm not sure about the blender, only because once it gets thick would it clog the base? It's worth a try. Mm. I like the food processor idea. You could really keep the kids busy, by the way. If you put it in a mason jar and it's super cold, you wrap it in a bag of ice, like a you know a Ziploc bag, and then you have them work the jar by shaking it, you will eventually um, get butter. It I, is a great way to fill time. Yes,
2: and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and every kindergarten class does that. Yeah, make it's sort that. of like it's the ice cream around trick. Around.
1: I love it. But you seasoned no your good. homemade butter with really good salt.
2: Yes, I did, and also I added a tablespoon of yogurt to it.
1: Nice, so you got a little bit of that tart Tartness, flavor. Whether yes. you have hickory smoked salt or flavored salt, it is so beautifully fresh right out of the electric mixer, Put on the table with fresh bread or hot cross buns for Easter. We hope that it makes your extraordinary Easter meal come alive with flavor. Be
2: sure to use a high-quality cream for it.
1: Yeah, very good. um, Heavy whipping cream, ultra-pasteurized preferably. And all the fabulous flavor from homemade butter and the best dishes. We hope fill your table for your Easter celebration, whether it be brunch or lunch or dinner tonight. may be filled with family and friends and fabulous food please be sure to tune in next sunday when we're dishing on the new melissa's great pepper cookbook uh, Chef Ida Rodriguez will be here. Plus, we're gastro grilling. This has to be probably the best grilling cookbook we've seen in many summers past. Ted Reader will join us, and you won't want to miss it. Chef Jamie went along with Lana in your radio, signing off. We thank you for listening. We wish you once again a very happy Easter. We'll see you at chefjamie.com. But until then, we hope you continue to eat well.
0: The preceding program has been brought to you by TasteBud Entertainment.